What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. All right, let's open up our Bibles to, we're going through the book of Acts, okay? So that's in the New Testament. The book of Acts, it's right after, you know, the gospel. So you get to the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you have Acts. Also called the Acts of the Epistles, I'm sorry, the Apostles. The Epistles are different. That is an actual word, but that's not the one I was looking for in that moment. And we started a while back, we started a a new series because uh, most of us would agree, and it wouldn't be that hard to see that, well, that rhymed. That was almost like Dr. Seuss. I really got to focus because when my brain accidentally rhymes, I get caught up in that. Anyway, it's not hard for us to understand that over the last, let's just call it season, that there has been a significant shaking in the world around us. And it's not just been because of obvious things. I believe that at its foundation, the Lord is actually trying to get the church's attention in a way that maybe we have lost focus and lost sight in recent years. And maybe even we could take it decades or generations. But but we weren't, we weren't doing our thing then, we're here now, so we need to pay attention to what God is doing right now. And so also within that, we're, we're talking about the church, rediscovering our identity. And that's not something that we need to get together and be like, man, I wonder, let's, let's rethink the church. No, we don't need to rethink the church. There's a lot of people, we're deconstructing everything. Let's deconstruct our faith and deconstruct what we believe. We don't need to do that. What we need to do is get back to Scripture and what God told us who we are from the very beginning. So it's not, it's not rethinking, but we are rediscovering, which means we're going back to what already is there, what maybe we have gotten off track with, and asking the Holy Spirit to bring us back into alignment with what he already set up. I always encourage, if you, if you don't yet, like we, we podcast every message every single week on iTunes, Spotify. We have a YouTube channel that you can see the messages every single week from. And so I encourage you, go back. So uh, a couple of weeks, you know, Pastor Rocky preached one on Jesus is our cornerstone. Cornerstone is the stone that you set and everything else is in alignment with what this stone establishes. Scripture talks about that. Also, Jesus is the center of the church. He wants to be the center of our life. He doesn't want to be high on our priority on our priority list. He wants to be the center of our very being and everything from outside of that center becomes impacted by who Jesus is in and through our life. And so when it comes to the church, the church is not uh, it's not a building for one. The church is not four walls. It's not a ceiling. It's not electricity. It's not plumbing. It's not bathrooms and, and uh, rooms for kids. No, the church is you and I. The church is people. And now the church is not one person. You're all, we're all a part of the body of Christ as individuals. But together we become the church. We are the gathering of the saints of God, the gathering of people who are pursuing God. So, so then when we say the, the church and rediscovering our identity, we're not rediscovering what this building should look like. We're not rediscovering what other things that are tangible look like. We're rediscovering who you and I are supposed to be because of Scripture, because of what Jesus said, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, and how we can then begin to walk out who God has already called us to be together. It's really, really important. So so we're going through the book of Acts because that's where it all started. The Gospels, Jesus shows up in the flesh he is God-made flesh. He shows us what's possible. He, he goes through the process of redeeming humanity, becoming the Lord and the Savior of our lives and of the whole world. 
And then, instead of him continuing to stay put and continuing to be alive in the flesh, he's like, no, I have a better idea. I'm like, are you sure it's a better idea? He's like, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a better idea. I'm going to go back to heaven, but I'm going to empower all of you to do what I started. And then the church was given birth. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. And we're going to be taking time throughout this season to go. And it's going to take, this is going to take a little while. I hope you're okay with that. This is going to take a little while for us to go through the book of Acts. I'm not saying we're going to do every single verse, every single line. And if you think that's how it should be done, you can read it for yourself. That's, that's the beauty of having a Bible. You can read it all you want. But we're going we're gonna to go through the chapters as God is speaking to us for our church, and it's going to be fantastic. So today we're going to read uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. You can follow along with me. We'll have it up on the screen, version Bible app as well. If you do not own your own physical Bible, when we're done today, I want you to go back to the info bar and just say, hey, I don't have a Bible. They will give you one. They won't grill you and be like, well, did you used to have one? I mean, are you sure you just haven't found it yet? No. They will just give you a Bible for free because we want everybody to have the physical Bible. All right, follow along with me. It says, once he, speaking of Jesus, this is after his resurrection, once he was eating with them, the disciples, and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean you're just gonna, you know, just gonna feel the Holy Spirit or any, it's, you're gonna be baptized. That word, the original word there, baptizo, it's a Greek word. You know, it's fancy to say Greek words. It means full immersion, which is why when we baptize, we we don't. I'm not putting other thought, you know, whatever. We baptize, you go underwater, and if we miss a spot, no, I'm joking. We don't, <laughs> we don't do that, because the whole that word means full immersion, and so we don't just want the Holy Spirit to have a little place inside the smallest part of our being. We want to be fully immersed with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It says so in verse 6, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? You can even see in their verbiage, they still didn't quite understand what Jesus was trying to accomplish. They were still thinking about their kingdom and their context as a nation. They were thinking about the state and Jesus restoring the political state of Israel within that region. And Jesus said to him, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and here's important, and they are not for you to know. Do you know what Jesus is saying right there? He's like, uh, don't worry about that. I got something else I need you to focus on. Verse 8, he goes, but you will receive power. Somebody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying these things, this is important, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And now I can identify with this next verse because that, that just would have been crazy. I'm just, can we be real? Like, oh, it was normal. No, it's not normal. It's not normal. It would have been crazy. And I would have done this exact same thing. And as they strained to see him rising into the heavens, two white-robed men uh, suddenly stood among them. Two angels showed up. Men of Galilee. I don't know, I find humor in different things. Men of Galilee. It's like there's, you know, there's 12 of them. They could have called him by name. They said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Can you imagine that? Like, don't just read scripture and keep going. Like, place yourself there. There's some real good and funny and weird stuff. So just imagine, you're like, I would have been like that too. I'd been like, what? 
I think is that, I think I still see him. I don't. So the angel showed up, and they're like, what are you doing? Why are you still standing there? Listen to this. He said, he says, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, and the reason he was taken into heaven is because he won. He won. So, so think about that. He, he didn't, you have to understand this in our, in our theology for Christianity. It's a big deal. Jesus wasn't, didn't become God because he showed up like a normal human being and just was good at winning games and became Jesus, right, and became God and lived a perfect life. No, he was already, read John chapter 1, he was already there before anything else was there. Like he is God. He has always been there. So he was on the throne before. Philippians 2 talks about how he left his throne and came and took on the assignment of humanity. And then when he was done winning, he went back and sat back on the throne. So that's important for us to know. It says he's been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him. All right, let's pray real quick. Jesus, help us to, we, we need open hearts, God. Uh, we're not here because we've heard this before and we know it. We're not, we're not, uh, not going to turn our, our ears off because maybe this is foreign to us, God. We're here because, man, we need you, God. God, we need you in our life. So would you soften our hearts and our minds, open our ears to hear what you're trying to say to us today. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and active. We thank you that it is accurate. We thank you that it is relevant. We thank you that it is the infallible word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we embrace the truth of your word today in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, so when uh, anyone go back in the days when you were in school, it doesn't matter what school, and, and there was a fight, right? There was a fight in the hallway. And it was, didn't matter what it was for. That was never the point. The, the point was never, why are y'all fighting? It was just the fact that there's a fight in school and everybody's gathering around. So, so I remember these moments, specifically in high school. Middle school fights were a little bit weak. Uh, but you get into high school, people are growing up a little bit. Especially, and I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not for any particular reason, but the lady fights. Guys were just kind of like a lot of like shoulder bumping and eyes closed and swinging and nothing really ever happened. But I'm telling you, I was not about to get close to when the ladies start fighting. Because they don't mess around. Like, there's hair pulling. It's like, it, it's leverage. You know, it's like UFC. But, you, but I remember being in those moments. And so, I mean, everybody's there. The fight's in them. Everyone's ringed around like it is on TV. And then, like, the teachers and the principal show up. And they're like, hey, you know, what, what happened? How this, how this happened? It was like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. What you, I don't even remember. I don't remember the fight. I don't remember anything. I don't even know where I am right now. I'm on my way to class. And the fact is, you did see something. But why didn't you want to say anything? Because you were afraid of what would happen to you if you'd said what you saw. Because snitches get stitches or end up in ditches. Okay. But let's think about that. Can we make a quick parallel into following Jesus? If it's even possible. When we look at the state of Christianity where it is right now, we can blame all we want, other people, outside forces, and all these type of things, but so much of what we see happening in the church right now is because the church has forgotten our purpose. Our purpose is to be a witness to the world around us of what we have seen and what we have experienced. But too many people are afraid to share what they've seen or what they've experienced because they're afraid of what might happen to them. They're afraid of what people might say. Now the world, is, um, the world is starting to testify for the church. And I want you to know that's not a good thing. 
they're starting to testify of what they think the church is and what they've experienced from people who call themselves those who would be in the church. And they've got some, they've got some bad stories, and I think for a reason. <clears throat> Most people have a bad taste in their mouth about Jesus, not because of Jesus. He's a kind, loving, gracious, amazing God who gave his life for all of humanity. But it's because those who actually do know Jesus and have encountered him have become silent about our experiences or we've embraced the salvation piece because we're like, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. So let's get that fire insurance knocked out real quick, like get my, my spiritual disability insurance covered. But then we continue to live just like everybody else. And I'm not just talking about sin, although that's a, that's a problem. I'm talking about even some of the things that we ministered to during worship today. Like the world is struggling with fear and anxiety. The world is terrified about everything that's happening around us. And they need somebody who can say, hey, it's going to be okay, and let me show you how. But when they look at those who claim the name of Jesus, we find ourselves in the same position as everybody else. And I don't say that for one second to, like, put condemnation on anybody. Like, we have to, that's why we have moments like we had today when it wasn't my plan. The Holy Spirit said, I want to I free this from people. You no longer have to be a slave to these things. Because that's really what it is. It binds us in the slavery of fear, anxiety. Just It chains us up from being who Jesus says that we are. False testimony will always thrive in the absence of true testimony. And when we keep our mouth shut about the truth of God, the enemy will always shout louder to replace the space our voice has abdicated. Every single time. So can I get a witness? That's, a, that's the message today. That's the message title today. If you're taking notes, you should be. Uh, can I get a witness? I think that's the question that I hear the Holy Spirit asking the church today. Can I, can I get a witness? And when we read in our text today, just those few verses of Jesus, really, it was the transition. It was one of the most powerful moments in all of biblical history when everything that was the culmination of Old Testament leading up to the, the coming Messiah and Savior of the world shows up, lives his life, his earthly ministry, goes to the cross, conquers sin, death, hell, and the grave. He dies, and the enemy's like, we did it, we conquered him. And then he's like, JK, I'm back, boom. And he rises from the dead, shows up. And all of a sudden, he's like, okay, guys, remember how I told you all this was going to happen and y'all didn't understand? Well, you get it now. And they kind of started to get it, right? And he goes, but now I'm going back to sit on the throne. And now I'm going to empower you with my spirit. And now I'm going, I'm going to assign you to go into the entire world and be a witness of what you have seen, what you have experienced, and what you have heard. And it's so important for us to understand something, that this was not only Jesus just speaking to the disciples, like he was, because that's where you, when you read scripture in proper context, you read it for what's happening there, and then you're able to receive it for how God is speaking to you from the same context. So yeah, they, Jesus wasn't speaking to them about us. He was speaking to them about them, but we are his disciples and followers, and we have the exact same assignment now that the disciples and the early believers had as well. So he said, hey, guys, you're about to see something in a couple of seconds that's going to blow your mind. The whole, you know, rising back up to heaven thing. That was, it's pretty cool. <laughs> he goes, but even more cool than that is that you're going to change the world. 
And the way you're going to change the world is you're going to tell people about me. You're going to tell people about what you have seen, what you've heard, what you've experienced. So when we kind of go back through these, these verses that we read, verses 4 through 9, uh, specifically when I'm looking at, at, at verse 7, I'm kind of getting back into it. It's interesting, again, they, they didn't quite, those disciples didn't quite understand the full picture of what Jesus was trying to do, and that's okay because we do it too. We always contextualize what God is doing in the bigger picture through our own lens. I mean, that's just, that's okay. That's, that's, that's just us being human. Like, sometimes you can't see what you can't see, right? And you don't know what you don't know. So we try to apply it to our lens. And, and, and God, luckily, God has grace for that and continues to, to teach us and show us different things. But I, I love the fact they were concerned about Israel. And here's the cool thing. Like, Israel still plays a very, very big part in what God is doing and is going to do. Like, I'm talking about the, nat- the, the natural nation of Israel. But as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, like the issue then is still the issue now. And I think God's answer is still the same. He's like, don't worry about them. I'm going to take care of them. They are, you read and go through Romans, they are still God's special possession, his special treasure. But we as Gentiles, which basically just means non-Jewish, have been grafted into the vine. And now we are also a part of the kingdom and what God is doing, and we have that same call and that same responsibility. But we get into verse 8, it says, but you will receive power. And that word power there, again, when we talk, like you see, you see preachers are like Greek and Hebrew words. The reason why they do that is because the English language is really one of the most condensed languages when it comes to what things mean. Which is why we can use the word love, and it means a thousand things to you depending on your context. But they had specific individual words that were translated into English as one word. So that's why we break that down. So this word power didn't just mean like, you know, just a little extra oomph in her step, you know. Power wasn't like, you know, turn the lights on, electricity. No, power in this context was this supernatural, the word is dunamis, this supernatural uh, uh, power that was just exceeds anything that we can even wrap our minds around. It's the power of God. And so when we receive the full baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a gift from God that he gives when you ask for it, you need to know that about God. When he, has, he says, I got a gift for you, he's not kind of like, oh, can you get it? Oh, oh, hey, you know, hey, oh, you want it? Actually, you're not good enough, so you don't get it. No, that's not, that's not what God does. When he says, I have a gift, all you have to do is ask and receive, and he gives you the gift. That's significant. Because if you, if you have a different view of who God is as your heavenly father, you may see him as one that would dangle a carrot and then pull it away from you. But that's not his nature. <clears throat> we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Somebody say, that's me. He's talking to you. Not, not somebody else. Not somebody who you think is better, more spiritual, more whatever. No, he's talking about you. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this is what it's connected to. This is where even denominationally in the church world today, uh, we see churches and denominations and, and mindsets kind of tripping over uh, the concept of the Holy Spirit to try to water it down to what we think it means. But what we need to understand is that the main purpose of the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit is so that we can be a bold witness to what God is doing in and through us. The sole purpose of the church is to be a witness to the world around us. So when we gather like this, and our type of church, we're always going to have people in here at all stages of the journey of following Jesus, which includes the journey of not even being there yet. So you need to know if you're here and you don't believe any of this stuff, you're not even sure, it's okay. 
You can, you can be here. You can be in the room because we have created this space so that you would have an environment where you could come to know Jesus. But for the rest of us, the purpose is us to gather so that we will grow in who God has called us to be as Jesus followers so that we can be a bold witness. So what does it mean to be a witness? Let's break that down. And then we're going to kind of land this plane and wrap things up today. What is a witness? It's someone with firsthand knowledge who gives testimony to others of what they've witnessed. Listen to that. Let me say it one more time. Someone with firsthand knowledge. Come on, because you have, if you have said yes to God, you've experienced him. Even if it's been this much, don't ever stop like, oh, I experienced God. <sighs> Finally, that was great. No, you had just begun. You have just scratched the surface. There is so much more but you still have something that you can talk about. You still have something that you can testify about. You still have something that you can witness to somebody else. You don't have to have a Bible degree to tell people about what God has done in your life. Let me, let me give you just a few things that Jesus has done for you in different stages. Like even before you said yes to Jesus, he was already doing things for you. Do you know that? Check this out. Here's, this is just three. There's probably a million, but we don't have time. Here's three, and these are three big ones. Before you even said yes to Jesus, he loved you when you were lost in your sin. He revealed himself to you through kindness, mercy, and grace. He gave truth to you to free you from sin and death. Like that all happened before you even recognized what was going on. Now let's say if you're in this room or you're listening, let's just say that you have experienced, you have said yes, you've surrendered your life to Jesus to make him the Lord and the Savior of your life. Here's a few more things that we can testify about. He forgave you when you repented. I, we gotta say this, he doesn't owe it to you. And on your best day, times a million, you don't deserve for God to grant the forgiveness that you receive. But that's the goodness of God. He gave you salvation when you deserved judgment. He freed you from the penalty and the power of sin. Do you know how he did that? He took it on himself. It didn't just go away because there always has to be a penalty for sin. Jesus just decided, you know what, I'm gonna take it for you. He placed his Holy Spirit within your spirit to empower you to change your life. He gave you spiritual gifts to use for his glory. He opened his word to you. And here's a good one. Let's not neglect this. He provided you with a church to call home so that you can grow spiritually in a community. That's a big deal, that matters. And that's just the beginning because for some of you, then after that it begins to be very, very specific because some of you can talk about, yeah, all those things and also how God healed me. All those things and also how God saved my marriage. All of those things and also how God provided for me when I didn't think that there was any solution for me whatsoever. Like that's when it begins to get real. And I'm telling you, we don't have to be Spiritual, uh, spiritual weirdos to the world around us to tell them about Jesus. Like the, the whole like learning how to be a witness, this isn't an evangelism class so that you can, I know there's like stuff on social media, it's kind of funny and kind of aggravating at the same time. It's like, excuse me, sir, do you have time to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ? And like people are running away, right? It's like, I, I'm, if you came to me like that, I might run away. But when you have relationships with people, when you have friendships, coworkers, neighbors, then you can begin to, in a conversational, relational way, talk with boldness and confidence about who Jesus really is and the things that he has done in your life. The world will not be able to identify 
with the things that are normal to the Christian world, but what they can identify with is when Christians begin to talk about what God has done that they're still dealing with. It's like, man, sexual addiction, God set me free. Really? Like that's, yeah, you? I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's going hard, hot, uh, hard and heavy like real quick in the conversation, but, but it's real. Like, man, my marriage is falling apart. I invited God into the mix. We got help. We have people that went, that walked with us. And God, you know, scriptures popped out, boom, boom. All of a sudden, like, we have a fantastic marriage. And you're talking to somebody whose marriage is falling apart. It's like, man, we didn't know we had kids. And all of a sudden, you're like, where's the book on how to raise kids? No, all of these are terrible books. Why is, this doesn't make any sense. And so we began to pray. We began to, like, show our kids at home, like, who Jesus was to us. Because here's something that we need to realize. When, when Jesus spoke to those disciples and he said, I want you to go be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He wasn't just talking about city. He was talking about home. And sometimes I've seen people get caught up in their passion because they want to go to the world and the nations, but they, they're not even talking to their kids about it. They want to go somewhere else, but they're afraid to talk to their, their neighbor that they know about who they are. And Jesus was telling them this, before you get to the ends of the earth, you better start at home. Because for them, they understood Jerusalem didn't just mean the, the city of Jerusalem and right within Jerusalem, it meant their home. And you know where your home starts? It starts with your family. It starts with your family. It has to start there. And there's, there, there's, there's more that I want to talk about that, and I will at a different time to kind of unpack that a little bit. But we got to understand, your first mission field is going to be where you go to sleep and where you wake up. And if you're single and you're on your own, then you are your home. So start, get strong. I'm telling you, if you're in a season where, where you are on your own, you're single, you haven't found that person yet, or whatever it may be, continue to bear witness to yourself and grow in your relationship with God. Because you're not just waiting for, for Cupid to shoot an arrow, you're waiting for God to strike the opportunity. And so you can allow that to be put in God's court and you can continue to chase after God wholeheartedly yourself. Because I will promise you this one thing, as you chase after God with everything that you are, when the time is right, you will run into somebody who's chasing in the same direction. You don't have to chase the person, try to fix the person, and then chase after God. If you chase after God, he will bring the right person along your path. He will. Some people are like, oh, that's going to take a lot of faith. Well, that's not everything else. If you're married and you don't have kids yet, prepare yourself. Grow together spiritually. Testify to each other about what God is doing in your life. Don't allow yourself, if you're not there yet, don't even allow yourself to be yoked together up in relationship with somebody who's not going in the same direction as you. Because I will promise you that the percentages of you pulling that person up versus that person pulling you off course, it's not in your favor. Rarely does that work. There's always that one, be like, it worked for me. I'm like, shut up. No, you're the exception. No. If you have kids at home, that's your first mission field. Start young. Get their, get their tails in church. Like, well, you know, I really don't want to force religion on them. Okay, well, if you don't force religion on them, then the world will force on them what they have. It's just, if your kids are in public school, they're getting 30 hours a week forced on them on things that if you're not addressing it at home, we, we got a problem. But we, but we don't want to, you know, force church on them. And I, I, I kind of get that. I'm, I, I text. I was studying this, and I text my dad. I'm like, Dad, thanks for forcing me to go to church when I was young. He's like, Well, I was out of nowhere. I'm like, Well, you know, I got some things I'm studying and working on. It's like, But, 
I, I didn't have a choice. And there were some times where I went kicking and screaming. There were some times where once my parents got us to church, that was probably the last place even they wanted to be. <laughs> they were like, you know, in the parking lot, shut up, stop crying, you're grounded. Now everybody smile, we're going to church. Yeah. Get in here. Man, I tell you, one time, like, cause my dad was a pastor, so it always made it even more fun. So I was a PK. And it was just one of those mornings where I wasn't, you know, I wasn't excited to be where I was. And he had, for that particular Sunday, he had a kind of a front row responsibility where he had to be. And he made me, <laughs> it was so bad, he made me sit down next to him. And during worship, I just kind of sat there. I was just being a punk. And during, like, he's, he grabbed my arm, he pulls me, he's like, you will stand up during worship. You know, in the moment, maybe that, I was like, well, well, no, I'm not ever going to worship God because of you. But let me tell you something. Parenting, how'd this turn into a parent seminar? <laughs> Don't ever think for one second that your assignment as a parent is to be your kid's best friend. Because if you are their parent now, you will be able to become their best friend later. Too many parents are so insecure that you just want your kids to like you. Your kids don't need to like you. They do need to respect you, and that's going to take some work on your part. But your, your, your responsibility as a parent is not to get your kids to like you. You've got to raise them up in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from it. And but we got, what we got going on right now is a whole lot of, well, I just, you know, I want my kids to find their own, their own way. Well, well then who, who the heck are you? The job of the parent is not to let the kid find their way, it's to show them the way. You know what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard, really hard. There's going to be moments where it doesn't work out the way that you want it to work out. There's going to be times when you, you feel like you have royally screwed up your children. And, and in those moments, you better get on your knees and ask God if you have or not. And you know what? He'll tell you. He'll be like, yeah, you need to change this. Or he'll be like, no, you keep doing what you're doing. It's going to be okay. You keep pointing them to Jesus. You keep bringing them into the, into the church. You get them in a kid's church. You get them in a convo youth. You force them to go to that conference. You force them to go. There. Like, just do, I'm telling you, because I have seen it over the last 20 years of ministry, we have seen that, where people who force their kids into the right environments, keyword, the right environments, saw fruit. Where parents are like, well, I just don't really, you know, there's so many fights, you got to choose your battles. I don't know if that's one I want to choose. Well, ignore this battle now, and you'll have plenty of different ones later. So pick and choose when you want to fight. I'd rather fight when they are younger so that they can be my best friends when I'm old. And they'll want to take care of me when they have to. Yeah, that, that, that went sideways into a parent conference, so I'm, I hope you got something out of that. If you want to hear the rest of it, you can come to the next service, too. It's in just a little while. Can I pray for you? We're talking about being a witness. I guess it's important because like we we're saying, the witness starts at home. It starts at home. Because when you, when, you when you learn how to be a, a witness in Jerusalem, in your home, then you can learn how to be a successful witness in the areas that God would take you, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your region, in your workplace. When it comes to the calling of God, then maybe it does take you to the nations or to different places. Like the calling of God on me and, and my wife's life have taken us to places where we never envisioned that we would go. But that's the beauty of saying yes to Jesus. He takes care of all that. Bow your heads for a second. Jesus, we love you so much. God, we thank you that you speak so clearly in your word that you have uh, boldly encouraged us and led us in how to be a witness. 
You were a witness for the kingdom of God. And you told us to go be a witness of the things that we have seen and heard and experienced through you. Not just on what we're making up on our own and what we think and what we feel, but on what we have seen from you, what we have seen from your word, the things that you have done in our life. So, Lord, would you embolden us to be that witness in the world around us. People need hope. People need you, Jesus. Would you help us to be that light to lead them in that direction? Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.